0: chapter 15 of toby tyler or 10 weeks with the circus this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by molly carmer toby tyler or 10 weeks with the circus by james otis chapter 15 toby's friends present him with a costume during this time Toby's funds had accumulated rather slower than on the first few days he was in the business, but he had saved eleven dollars, and mr Lord had paid him five dollars of his salary, so that he had the to him enormous sum of sixteen dollars, and he had about made up his mind to make one effort for liberty when the news came that he was to ride in public. He had, in fact, been ready to run away any time within the past week. But, as if they had divined his intentions, both Mr. Castle and Mr. Lord had kept a very strict watch over him, one or the other keeping him in sight from the time he got through with his labors at night until they saw him on the cart with old Ben. "'I was just getting ready to run away,' said Toby to Ella on the day Mr. Castle gave his decision as to their taking part in the performance. "'And while they were walking out of the tent—' "'And I shouldn't wonder now if I got away to-night!' oh toby exclaimed the girl as she looked reproachfully at him after all the work we've had to get ready you won't go off and leave me before we've had a chance to see what the folks will say when they see us together it was impossible for toby to feel any delight at the idea of writing in public and he would have been willing to take one of mr lord's most severe whippings if he could have escaped from it but he and ella had become such firm friends and he had conceived such a boyish admiration for her "'that he felt as if he were willing to bear almost anything "'for the sake of giving her pleasure. "'Therefore, he said, after a few moments' reflection, "'Well, I won't go to-night anyway, "'even if I have the best chance that ever was. "'I'll stay one more day, anyhow, "'and perhaps I'll have to stay a good many.' "'That's a nice boy,' said Ella positively, "'as Toby thus gave his decision. "'And I'll kiss you for it.' "'Before Toby fully realized what she was about,' Almost before he had understood what she said, she had put her arms around his neck and given him a good kiss right on his freckled face. Toby was surprised, astonished, and just a little bit ashamed. He had never been kissed by a girl before, very seldom by anyone save the fat lady, and he hardly knew what to do or say. He blushed until his face was almost as red as his hair, and this color had the effect of making his freckles stand out with startling distinctness. Then he looked carefully around to see if anyone had seen them. "'I never had a girl kiss me before,' said Toby hesitatingly. "'And, you see, it made me feel kind of queer to have you do it out here, where everyone could see. "'Well, I kissed you because I like you very much, "'and because you are going to stay and ride with me tomorrow,' she said positively. "'And then she added slyly, "'I may kiss you again if you don't get a chance to run away very soon.' I wish it wasn't for Uncle Daniel and the rest of the folks at home, and there wasn't any such men as Mr. Lord and Mr. Castle, and then, I don't know, but I might want to stay with the circus, because I like you awful much. And as he spoke, Toby's heart grew very tender toward the only girlfriend he had ever known. By this time they had reached the door of the tent, and as they stepped outside, one of the drivers told them that Mr. Treat and his wife were very anxious to see both of them in their tent. "'I don't believe I can go,' said Toby doubtfully, as he glanced toward the booth where Mr. Lord was busy in attending to customers, and evidently waiting for Toby to relieve him so that he could go to his dinner. "'I don't believe Mr. Lord will let me.' "'Go and ask him,' said Ella eagerly. "'We won't be gone but a minute.' Toby approached his employer with fear and trembling. He had never before asked Leave to be away from his work, even for a moment, and he had no doubt that his request would be refused with blows.' "'Mr. Treat wants me to come in his tent for a minute. "'Can I go?' he asked in a timid voice, "'and in such a low tone as to render it almost inaudible. "'Mr. Lord looked at him for an instant, "'and Toby was sure he was making up his mind "'whether to kick him or catch him by the collar "'and use the rubber cane on him. "'But he had no such intention, evidently, "'for he said in a voice unusually mild, "'Yes, and you needn't come to work again "'until it's time to go into the tent.' Toby was almost alarmed at his unusual kindness, and it puzzled him so much that he would have forgotten he had permission to go away if Ella had not pulled him gently by the coat. If he had heard a conversation between Mr. Lord and Mr. Castle that very morning, he would have understood why it was that Mr. Lord had so suddenly become kind. Mr. Castle had told Job that the boy had really shown himself to be a good rider, and that in order to make him more contented with his lot, and to keep him from running away, he he must be used more kindly, and perhaps be taken from the candy business altogether, which latter advice Mr. Lord did not look on with favour, because of the large sales which the boy made. When they reached the skeleton's tent they found to their surprise that no exhibition was being given at that hour, and Ella said with some concern, "'How queer it is that the doors are not open! I do hope that they are not sick!' Toby felt a strange sinking at his heart as the possibility suggested itself that one or both of his kind friends might be ill, for they had both been so kind and attentive to him that he had learned to love them very dearly. But the fears of both children were dispelled when they tried to get in at the door, and were met by the smiling skeleton himself, who said as he threw the canvas aside as if he were admitting his own enormous lily, "'Come in, my friends, come in!' I have had the exhibition closed for one hour, in order that I might show my appreciation of my friend Mr. Tyler." Toby looked around in some alarm, fearing that Mr. Treat's friendship was about to be displayed in one of his state dinners, which he had learned to fear rather than enjoy. But as he saw no preparations for dinner, he breathed more freely, and wondered what all this ceremony could possibly mean. Neither he nor Ello was long left in doubt, for as soon as they had entered, Mrs. Treat waddled from behind the screen, which served as her dressing-room, with a bundle in her arms, which she handed to her husband. He took it, and, quickly mounting the platform, leaving Ella and Toby below, he commenced to speak, with very many flourishes of his thin arms. "'My friends,' he began, as he looked down upon his audience of three, who were listening in the following attitudes. Ella and Toby were standing upon the ground at the foot of the platform, looking up with wide-open staring eyes. And his fleshy wife was seated on the bench, which had evidently been placed in such a position below the speaker's stand that she could hear and see all that was going on without the fatigue of standing up, which, for one of her size, was really very hard work. My friends repeated the skeleton as he held his bundle in front of him with one hand and gesticulated with the other. We, all of us, know that to-morrow our esteemed and worthy friend Mr. Toby Tyler makes his first appearance in any ring, and we, all of us, believe that he will soon become a bright and shining light in the profession which he is so soon to enter. The speaker was here interrupted by loud applause from his wife, and he profited by the opportunity to wipe a stray drop of perspiration from his fleshless face. Then, as the fat lady ceased the exertion of clapping her hands, he continued— Knowing that our friend Mr. Tyler was being instructed, preparatory to dazzling the public with his talents, my wife and I began to prepare for him some slight testimonial of our esteem, and, being informed by Mr. Castle some days ago of the day on which he was to make his first appearance before the public, we were enabled to complete our little gift in time for the great and important event. Here the skeleton paused to take a breath, and Toby began to grow most uncomfortably red in the face such praise made him feel very awkward i hold in this bundle continued mr treat as he waved the package on high a costume for a bold and worthy equestrian and a sash to match for his beautiful and accomplished companion in presenting these little tokens my wife who has embroidered every inch of the velvet herself and i feel proud to know that when the great and auspicious occasion occurs to-morrow "'the worthy Mr. Tyler will step into the ring "'with a costume which we have prepared expressly for him, "'and thus, when he does himself honour by his performance "'and earns the applause of the multitude, "'he will be doing honour and earning applause "'for the work of our hands, my wife Lily, and myself. "'Take them, my boy, "'and when you array yourself in them to-morrow "'you will remember that only the living skeleton "'and the wonder of the nineteenth century "'in the shape of the mammoth lady,' are present in their works, if not in their persons. As he finished speaking, Mr. Treat handed the bundle to Toby, and then joined in the applause which was being given by Mrs. Treat and Ella. Toby unrolled the package, and found that it contained a circus rider's costume of pink tights and blue velvet trunks, collar and cuffs, embroidered in white and plentifully spangled with silver. In addition was a wide blue sash for Ella, embroidered to correspond with Toby's costume. The little fellow was both delighted with the gift, and at a loss to know what to say in response. He looked at the costume over and over again, and the tears of gratitude that these friends should have been so good to him came into his eyes. He saw, however, that they were expecting him to say something in reply, and, laying the gift on the platform, he said to the skeleton and his wife, You've been so good to me ever since I've been with the circus that I wish I was big enough to say something more than that I'm much obliged, but I can't. One of these days, when I'm a man, I'll show you how much I like you, and then you won't be sorry that you was good to such a poor little runaway boy as I am. Here the skeleton broke in with such loud applause and so many cries of, Hear, hear! that Toby grew still more confused and forgot entirely what he was intending to say next. I want to show you how much obliged I am, he said, after some hesitation, and when I wear em I'll ride the best I know how, even if I don't want to, and you shan't be sorry you gave them to me. As Toby concluded, he made a funny little awkward bow, and then seemed to be trying to hide himself behind a chair from the applause which was given so generously. Bless your dear little heart, said the fat lady, after the confusion had somewhat subsided. I know you will do your best anyway, and I'm glad to know that you're going to make your first appearance in something that Samuel and I made for you ella was quite as well pleased with her sash as toby was with his costume and thanked mr and mrs treat in a pretty little way that made toby wish he could say anything half so nicely the hour which the skeleton had devoted for the purpose of the presentation and accompanying speeches having elapsed It was necessary that Ella and Toby should go, and that the doors of the exhibition be opened at once, in order to give any of the public an opportunity of seeing what the placards announced as two of the greatest curiosities on the face of the globe. That day, while Toby performed his arduous labors, his heart was very light for the evidences which the skeleton and his wife had given of their regard for him were so very gratifying he determined that he would do his very best to please so long as he was with the circus and then when he got a chance to run away he would do so but not until he had said good-bye to mr and mrs treat and thanked them again for their interest in him when he had finished his work in the tent that night mr lord said to him as he patted him on the back in the most fatherly fashion and as if he had never spoken a harsh word to him you can't come in here to sell candy now that you're one of the performers my boy and if I can find another boy to-morrow you won't have to work in the booth any longer, and your salary of a dollar a week will go on just the same, even if you don't have anything to do but ride. This was a bit of news that was as welcome to Toby as it was unexpected, and he felt more happy than he had for the ten weeks that he had been travelling under Mr. Lord's cruel mastership. But there was one thing that rather damped his joy, and that was that he noticed Mr. Lord was unusually careful to watch him, not even allowing him to go outside the tent without following. He saw at once that, if he was to have a more easy time, his chances of running away were greatly diminished, and no number of beautiful costumes would have made him content to stay with the circus one moment longer than was absolutely necessary. That night he told old Ben of the events of the day, and expressed the hope that he might acquit himself creditably when he made his first appearance on the following day. Ben sat thoughtfully for some time, and then, making all the preparations which Toby knew so well signified a long bit of advice, he said, Toby my boy, I've been with a circus, man and boy, nigh to forty years, and I've seen lots of youngsters start in just as you're going to start in tomorrow. But the most of them petered out because they got to knowin' more than them that learned em did. Now you remember what I say and you'll find it good advice. Whatever business you get into, don't think you know all about it before you've begun. Remember that you can always learn something, no matter how old you are, and keep your eyes and ears open and your tongue between your teeth, and you'll amount to something, or my name ain't Ben. End of chapter 15. Recording by Molly Carmer.